Well, hey guys, welcome to Wednesday Night Live. We're always so thankful that you've joined us here, that you take time off and you carve it away for God. I think that's huge, and it's making a difference in the world. It's making a difference in community. So thank you for being here. We have a couple of our usual suspects, the highly intelligent, wonderful pastors of Journey the Church. We have Jeffrey Jeff Barnett, and we have Jeffrey J. Rod Rodriguez. Hi, guys. Hey! <laughs> and today you may see a, a really handsome person that's joined us. And we have actually one of my favorite people. He is one of our council members. He is one of my mentors. He's just an overall, if you looked up good person in the dictionary, this man's picture would pop up. We have Ron Selig, uh, just an amazing guy. So thank you for joining us, Ron. Yeah, uh, Ron, thanks. Uh, this is, uh, this is, I'm looking forward to this and what a great team you've assembled. Uh, you have uh, the great teachers together. So I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Yeah. So everyone in the comment section, say hi to Ron. Make sure he feels loved and how valuable he is. So say hi, say great to see you. So he can see these comments and feel the adoration. <laughs> but we love you, Ron. Thanks for being here. And thank you guys. Oh, uh, we are on another Wednesday night. So we always like to start it off with a question. And I want to hear it from you in the comment section too. So I want to know from you guys, what is your favorite movie? And if you want extra credit points, because uh, I'm keeping a tally, is why don't you say a favorite line from it? So who wants to go first? Who feels called with their movie? Well, I'm going to, you know what? I figure it's easier to go first than try to compete with those other few other three guys. Yeah. So, um, really, mine doesn't come from a movie because I'm terrible at remembering movie lines, but it does come from an iconic TV show, Star Trek. And it comes from Spock specifically. And if you know anything about Spock, highly intelligent and exactly so we're well aware of what he does highly intelligent can figure anything out but one of the lines that he said in one of the tv shows was just because i make it look easy doesn't mean it is easy <laughs> and i think we're going to see that in just about everything we do and we talk about today um and that we can look at life and uh look at many different avenues like that when we look at people and say wow i want to be there well just because they make it look easy doesn't mean it is easy Dropping that Vulcan knowledge. That's pretty yeah. good. We've never had knowledge brought into our random <laughs> questions. So, wow, Ron, this is, we got to step up our game. All right, who's next? Who wants to follow that up? Hey, is there any Trekkies out there you can make yourself known? Yeah. yeah. They it's don't want to be known. Well, I know Jeff's parents were Trekkies. Oh, yeah. I watched every episode 70 times for sure. <laughs> Although, good? my next movie is probably the all time greatest movie ever made. Dustin's going to do cartwheels for this one. Empire Strikes Back. There's this moment, which I think is the best Star Wars movie because it was the most action-packed. They weren't thinking about nine when they did uh, Empire Strikes Back. But there's this moment that was really edgy when when uh, Darth Vader says, Luke, I'll And uh, there's no better moment than that in movie history. Nothing matches that. No Marvel, no DC, no Titanic. That's it right there. That changed movie history. You should so, see kids' reactions to that line are watching it. Like, that they're, <laughs> like they're like, oh, what? That was, that was big. So we have two nerdy answers. So it's up to you, Jeffrey. To... <laughs> this is a nerdy answer. It's, you know, most people know I love Lord of the Rings. You know, it's been uh, a favorite, you know. And there's so many lines in there. But one line that I, I like is when they're in the mines in Moria and um, Peregrine Took is like sitting next to that 
kind of that whale looking thing and there's like a skeleton he knocks it in and it just makes all this noise and Gandalf scolds him he's like fool of a took you know throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity <laughs> I don't know I like it <laughs> he's always doing stupid things you know he's always like <laughs> nobody else liked that line but only Odell that was good I'll be what the saving grace. I I, I was going to go with the Mafia movie again, but I'm actually choosing Elf because it's a movie you can watch, you know, Christmas in July and, of course, around Christmas. But the best line is actually my diet every single day where they, we elves try to stick to the main food groups. There's candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. So if you're looking for dietary tips, you're welcome. The Hummingbird wow. Diet. I think that's keto approved, though. Yeah, so. probably is. I still don't understand what keto is, but it's... <laughs> but we, uh, I want to keep hearing the comments. Make sure you're putting your favorite movie. Uh, try not to choose the longest line in the world to recite. But we're going to go ahead and continue on in our uh, study of Romans, chapter 15. And last week, Jeffrey led our panel and did this great job where he talked about encouragement, where we're meant to build each other up where we're supposed to uh, put life into one another. Words of encouragement are key. We need to be there for one another, cheer people on. And this week, we get to continue on with this relationship aspect, meaning we need to be united. We need to be in a relationship with another. So this call of the passage is the call to rejoice together. And that's a word I want everyone to keep in their minds through this whole study is togetherness. So Paul is no longer speaking here in a constructive way, as he had earlier in his portion, he was calling us not to offend, not to cause someone to stumble. He's no longer speaking of the negatives, but positively calling us to be united and now be one instead of two separate entities moving forward. So we need to have unity in a church. Um, we've learned through previous chapters that means we have to cut some things out of our lives. We have to begin to make better judgments. We have to make better use of our words. Um, so now we have to find this way to live with one another and live life together. So apart from avoiding the negative, we are called to be a positive attitude. And I believe that means rejoicing. Another thing we're going to study today. And there's, that's such an essential thing is this positivity, this joy, this rejoicing. So sometimes when there's conflict in the church, when there's an argument and when there's bitterness towards people, the key to overcoming that is not to have not only that attitude, but to cultivate an attitude of joy, rejoicing, and praising him. So in a nutshell, that's where we've been. That's where we're going tonight. So hop aboard this journey together as we're going to go into chapter 15, verse 8. Make sure you go get your Bibles. If you haven't yet, bring it up on your Bible app. Uh, but J-Rod, do you mind going with verse 8 as we start tonight? Hey, can I promo? Hey, take a picture and put it online to see where you're watching it. I know that uh, we want you to be getting groups together, especially as we're waiting for uh, getting back into the building. So put a put a picture up. Let us know where you're watching it together. So hashtag hashtag journey watch together. Here's what it says in uh, Romans 15 verse eight. It says, "Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises that He made to the ancestors." I love this part because it says remember. And when he says that, he's kind of connecting everything that has been set up until this point. And if you remember last week, it said, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that, you, that God will be given the glory. When he's saying remember, he's saying, remember 
Christ said, accept everybody as Christ has accepted everybody. And it really is kind of an interesting time that we're doing this in, in Romans 15 as our country is really struggling on trying to accept everybody in this world and bringing equality up and doing the things that are best for the country, not necessarily best for you and I. And so here we see the Apostle Paul writing and saying, remember Christ came as a servant. And when he says that, he says, a servant to the Jews. Now, remember this. This is kind of, I was, I was reading this today and I was just kind of praying. Christ came to serve the Jews and they rejected him. I mean, he comes out and serves them. A handful of them or thousands of them accept him down the road. Most of them after Jesus died and rose again. But these people he came to rejected his principles and rejected his theology because it was too radical until they realized that he came back. And so now he's accomplishing something and he's also displaying something, which is I I love my people, but I'm also, you're going to see, he's going to incorporate a whole bunch of other people into the mix because his people that he came to really evangelize, reject him. And I think it's an important concept. Christ came and loved these people. It was his people. He was raised as a Jew. He was a Jewish carpenter. But the truth is they rejected him and he still accepts them and still accepts them today. So it's really a cool topic for us because the, the beauty of God is God's promises are true. And that's the kind of the foresight of what's happening. It's the foreshadowing of what's going to take place during today. So it's really cool to see how God accepted everyone and he sent his son and his son was to communicate only to the Jews at the beginning. And then he opened it up into the Gentiles and more. So a really cool place. It shows us today as we start tonight that God sent his son to accept all people, even the people that reject him and that were against him, and ultimately were the hands and feet that put him on the cross. So I'll stop there and we'll kind of discuss it, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that insight in about this accepting of people. And I love this part, too, that's not only was he accepting, but he was going to the Jews, showing these promises that were being fulfilled because they were, you know, they learned the law. So they heard about these stories from years past of different prophets and people being forward of who's to come. And he's trying to explain, well, this is the promise I was talking about. So I want to know more about these ideas and these questions. And I think a key point is the serving, that Jesus came down to be a servant to the Jews. So I think this is something that us as a panel and also the people online need to try to get a better understanding for. So by us serving people, where they are in life, whoever they are, wherever they've come from, how does that, in fact, bring us together? How does that bring this unity? Uh, Barnett, do you mind kicking it off? Yeah, I, I remember uh, uh, kind of as a the young believer, we would go on these trips to Mexico, and sometimes it'd be three different churches, you know, uh, going maybe three crossroads and another church, I can't remember. And it was just like, there was just something about serving that community down there that brought us together. And yeah, there was, uh, you know, some quarrels and things, but like by the end of the week, it just seemed like that just... It just took the focus. I think the biggest thing is it just took the focus off of us and our problems because I think like a lot of times we're very self-focused and we think mostly about our life. But then when you go and serve somebody who doesn't have it as good as you, you it just it takes the focus off of you, your life and your problems and and it brings and it brings people together. It's just 
it's almost hard to explain unless you've kind of been on a trip like that. That's fun. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> I agree with you, Jeff. And the one thing about serving that that we can see within even the bounds of the church and within the bounds of where we work and our families is that service can be something very simple or it can be something really big. And I think that's where people get really hung up that uh, service has to be something that has made an impact to large groups of people. Right. And I, and it's not always the way to be. I mean, I know for a fact that sometimes when uh, you just give a word of encouragement and help somebody, maybe even open a door for them. That's an act of service, but it's so small that most people don't consider it a service act that would be uh, what we call valuable in the works of, of God. But we all know that if our service comes from a place of love from within, which we'll talk about faith and hope, these things all go together, that that act of service is actually working to greater the kingdom of God. And people will see that in you as you perform an act of service. That is one of the things that comes out of performing an act of service is others will observe you and say, wow, I see what's going on in that person's life and look at them helping other people. And you're right. It does take the focus away from what's going on in your life to help people in their lives. And uh, service is a very big part, uh, although it's not the only cornerstone. It is a big part in making sure that we uh, are showing others our faith. Dustin, where'd you get this guy? Hey, I'm telling you, he has to be flown in. He's a he's an East Coaster, so we had to bring him in on a specialty jet. And... You got to love those East Coasters. You know, I was thinking about something that Ron said, and I'll just kind of make my answer this. In ministry, I made a commitment a long time ago that I was going to do some simple service to my family above above everyone else. And I remember getting into ministry and having a pastor right in front of me, his family falling apart because he was spending countless hours at the church and serving and taking care of everybody at the church. And his home life was a struggle and a mess. And I remember making a commitment, God, if you ever gave me a family that I was going to serve them. And it's not always fun being a dad. It's Father's Day coming up. Dad is always second, third, fourth, eighth, twelfth. And uh, there's a lot, but even as a Christian man that's supposed to lead your family in service, uh, it's not always glamorous, but I always want to make sure that I'm serving my family because if my family is taken care of, I have the opportunity to do more ministry and more uh, more serving outside of my roof. And I love what you said, Ron. Some of the smallest acts are the most beautiful and the most uh, the biggest testimony to the world because somebody sees that and goes, why would he or she do that? It doesn't make sense. So good answers, guys. If you're following along, I think there are some keys that need to be. If someone missed it, type this in the chat right now. But number one, uh, serving your family. So in your order to not only have everyone covered at home, you're able to cover other people. Number two is uh, to make we serve to greater the kingdom of God. And number three, the most uh, this is tweet worthy right here. It takes the focus off of us. So make sure those are in the chat so people that are looking later on can kind of understand where we're coming from. Those are some great points. Um, but a second question I want to go on to is this. Is there is a promise that God has revealed to you? So I want to get really personal with all of these amazing men on the panel. So is there a promise that God revealed to you that you were holding on to? Because we're talking about this idea that they're holding on to God's promises that he's showed them for generations. So what's something that's been revealed to you or showed to you personally? Uh, start with you, Jira. 
you know, I remember when Journey first started as we're coming up on the, the 10 year anniversary. And uh, I remember God speaking to me and my wife about money because we were so broke when Journey started. Yeah, we've been living off our savings. We spent every dollar we could. And Liz happened to get a job literally at just the right time so that her first paycheck got us to pay our rent. Uh, and uh, it was truly a miracle in how it all played out. But I remember sitting there a couple months into it and we were barely struck. Uh, we, I wasn't making any money. Liz was basically holding the weight of the church and, and, uh, and our household. And one of the promises, and I don't want to kind of blow it because God's been so good, but he said, I'm always going to take care of you. It's not always going to be bountiful, but you're always going to have enough. And I'll be honest with you. I, I am overjoyed by how much he has taken care of us. And there's been some many mean years financially for us. And uh, there's been some pretty big things that I've had to go through personally. And every time there was something that was bigger than life. I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, I got my passport kind of held up and God just did a crazy, amazing things to kind of take care of us. So one of the promises is he said to us that he, there will, he will always take care of us as, as a family. And I, I think it's not just to the Rodriguez family. If you're hearing that, he wants to take care of all of those that love him and serve him and, and really put him first. So that's been a big promise for us. And I honestly have to say, it's been mind blowing to see how how beautiful and generous he's been to me and my family on this this whole journey. Nice. So the the promise uh, that I think of there there are two, but in particular the one I I believe uh, that I think about every day is the promise that God's plan is the right plan, right? And I will tell you that um, uh, every day is not perfect, and every day is not sunny for. For me and what I do, um, I have great things, great family, great job. But, but uh, one of the things when I went, when I accepted this new position about two and a half years ago, I spent a lot of time in prayer if this was the right move to make. And lo and behold, God answered that prayer, and I have the job that I have now. I am super thankful and praise God every day for that. However, I will tell you that as uh, the the people on the panel, the Jeffs and, and Dustin know, I put in a lot of hours at this job, which I did not anticipate. So uh, I can't call for a do-over. There's no no do-overs, right? God's plan is what it is. So I don't get a do-over on this one to go back and repray. So I do know that I trust in this plan. And in the end, it's the right way to go for sure. Um, and it kind of, it definitely goes along with what Jeff is saying with the blessings that he's received for his family, because I've received many, but I do think it's important that as we talk about uh, God's plans, that it doesn't always work out the way we want it to work out. I know we hear that. We hear that a lot as we go through our church and our sermons with other people, but it's important to hear somebody say that, that it's not always rosy as when somebody's looking in, they're like, well, what could be so bad? So that's definitely one that I, I think about all the time is that God's plan is the right plan. Yeah, for me, I've been reading a book by Reese Howells. Uh, he was an intercessor and he was in the Welsh revival and just reading about that and how it touched uh, that that country and what God did. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, like rumor has it that uh, just from the people that influenced me, uh, especially listening to like Dutch Sheets. He wrote Intercessory Prayer, just talking about the next great awakening for America. And, you know, not to get down or anything, because I'm not really like down 
you know, Debbie Downer or anything, but like our country needs it. You know, I really feel like, you know, if our country keeps headed down this path, um, it's just not going to be a very pretty picture. And so really just, I'm just really praying that uh, for God's church, his ecclesia to really rise up and to pray for this nation, because what happens in an awakening, it, it goes way beyond just the church or what we can offer and, and service for, for whatever reason. It just seems like the spirit of God just goes and, and touches so many people that would never step foot in a church, you know, they would, and, and even like, um, creates in us like a greater sense of outreach and burden for those who don't know him. And so that is just something that like I've been hearing for the last few years. And it's just not, it's not just a cop out because I know that, you know, if, if say a thousand people come to journey or something over the course of um, a few weeks, like that's a lot of people that need to be uh, nourished and need to be taken care of in the faith, you know, because yeah, you don't want to just drop the ball on that. And so that's just something that I've been praying for and really hoping that uh, maybe for those out there that that's been on your heart and that you guys pray for that too as well. Really good. Um, and, the, and the best way to realize God has a promise for you and different things reveal is to get to know him and learn from him and talk to him. So I encourage you guys to study God's word, have some quiet time to actually hear from God, to see what he has promised for you so you guys can get a better understanding for it. But we're going to go ahead and move on to our next section of Romans chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. If Mr. Barnett, you would mind going over that. All right. Let's read this. Okay. It says, He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercy to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote. For this, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. So in these verses, uh, verses 9 through 12, he mentions praise a lot. He mentions Gentiles a lot, rejoicing. Um, but what's really cool is that uh, he's showing that the promise, uh, the promise of salvation is now being extended to all the nations, right? And this is really what God's plan was from the beginning. It wasn't just an afterthought. It wasn't just... Uh, Hey, let's just lump them in last minute. It was since the begin, uh, since the beginning, even, um, reading about Abraham and how God wanted to bless all nations through Abraham, right? He's the father of all, of all nations. And this is pretty cool because, um, it just gives us a timeline. It gives us a picture of the gospel message, right? And how, like, um, how God wants all people, all nations to, to give him praise. And to ultimately um, join in to become, uh, as you would say, one with his people to become, uh, yeah, united. There wasn't going to be Jew or Gentile. There wasn't going to be um, any kind of division, anything like that. But they were going to be all one, even though that they're distinct, which is interesting with God. He like, you know, when he talks about uh, the nations, it's like on different cultures. It's like we all are distinct 
You know, we don't lose our identity, our culture, in a sense, but we become one and we become under the leadership and rule of King Jesus. And that's ultimately, you know, that's something that, yeah, that God talks about a lot through the Bible. And my favorite part about this is just really about the reconciliation, you know, because I think that's what Paul is is writing about this, right? To, you know, you could almost feel or, or tell there might have been some animosity between the Jews and the Gentiles and, you know, with like the law and they don't, you know, the Jews would follow the law and the Gentiles didn't. And, you know, it just been, it would have been a hard adjustment because beforehand, you know, a Jew wouldn't even eat with a Gentile. And so it's just a beautiful picture of that, right? Of, of these two cultures kind of coming together. And I know uh, J-Rod, he understands this. When you go to Israel, it feels weird, you know, and you kind of feel like you're treated like an outsider and kind of less than, right? If you're not a Jew, you're like, you just get these weird looks, like you don't really belong. I was uh, at the Wailing Wall and I like walked into this, like, um, it was like this inside part and there's like all of these rabbis and people praying. And I just had, they're just like giving me these weird looks, you know, like, who's this, who's this guy? You know, he doesn't look like one of us. And, and so, but that's, that's ultimately kind of what God wants to do. He wants to reconcile and, and bring unity through what Christ has done. That's excellent points, uh, that unity idea. So I want to dive into some questions, and we're going to start with Ron for this first one, is why is it important that God's people know that he is truthful and his promises are sure? And I, I mean, you almost set yourself up perfectly with the last thing you said, that God's plan is the right plan. So how do you know that, that that's truthful and his promises are so sure? So those are two very key key parts to it, because... If his promises are not true and he's not faithful, then he is just a man, right? If we look at who can we believe that will never break a promise or will always be faithful, that, that there's no man that can stand up to that kind of scrutiny, right? We all know it. We all fall very short of that. And I think that we're seeing that as we look through um, some of the Old Testament, those, those examples were given so that they could be brought forward to us knowing that they were observed in real time, those miracles happened, right? And the Bible we know is truth. So if you read the Bible, understand that it's truth. We understand that the um, the miracles and things that happened in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are there for us to understand that we can believe those things for which we cannot see, right? And that is basically the basis that I see when it comes to faithfulness and truth is that Jesus is God. He is the only one that can do that for us. And it's the it's a foundation that we have to believe because we cannot touch him. We cannot see him. We cannot feel him physically. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is here to fulfill that need for us. And we also have to know that it's kind of, Dustin, you touched on it a little bit earlier, that you have to be able to understand um, through reading the Bible and, and following, so you know some of these things that have happened and have taken place for us to get us where we are today. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. <laughs> Those East Coasters sure know what the heck you're talking about. Good good pull. Good word, Ron. You know, uh, I remember uh, being in my little Bible college and uh, talking about the promises and counting them, and there's somewhere between three and 30,000, depending on how over-promised you are. But my numbers were about 5,000, 5,300 that we were kind of 
really saying these were biblical promises that were in there. And this is a great question because what Ron said is if, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, then he's a lunatic and he's a liar and he needs to be shunned and we just need to forget it and eat, drink and be merry and live our lives and forget all this stuff. But if he is who he says he is, which the promises show that he is, then everything that he says has to be true. And there was a moment in my life where I made a decision that I was going to take the word of God and it was going to be my true Lord. And I was going to say, I'm going to live on this, even if I don't believe it. And I'm going to trust that over time, God is going to reveal his heart to me. And he will iron out some of the big wrinkles in theology, some of the big issues that I was struggling with. And so this question is, is he truthful? Yes. And does his promises come true? Yes. And you can go back and look at that. God's promises have come uh, uh, continually come through over and over. And you can see him from the Old Testament to the new, uh, to the new. And Jesus is one of those promises. And what he did on earth was to fulfill promises. Uh, John, I'll, I'll close with this. John 1.17 says, uh, Moses gave us the law. Jesus gave us grace and truth. And that was the promise. He came to fulfill the truth of God through the grace of God. And that's the essence of this. So, uh, really, this is a critical part of this this book in Romans. So good. Um, as we continue going on through that, that text, I see five times that Gentiles are listed in these verses. Um, so why is so much emphasis put on the Gentiles for this reason? And what does that mean for all of God's people? Like, why are they singled out? You know, uh, God's original plan, we talked about it when I was kind of breaking down verse eight, was to evangelize the Jews. He sent his son into the Jews, but that wasn't his only plan. You see that even in the Psalms that we just read, that even before Jesus came, the Gentiles were going to submit. It was all part of God's master plan, but he came to talk to his children. And that's important because uh, the Jews were evangelized and given the truth. They knew the truth and they didn't accept it. And it really catapulted the, the gospel into the foreign land. If the Jews swallowed up every word, it might have not trickled into the Gentiles' lives. Uh, it would have trickled into the Gentiles' lives because they rejected it and have come slowly but surely back. It kind of went in like a wildfire. And we know wildfires in Ventura County. It starts very small and takes over. And so uh, what does it mean for us? It means that God is for everybody. And in, in, in the beginning part last week, when Barnett was talking about it, he's trying to build us up. He's wanting to accept everybody and he wants to make everybody uh, in his image. He wants them to know that he's for everybody. It's really good. Yeah, like I know kind of, uh, especially reading the Old Testament, you know, they thought of Yahweh or, or God, you know, as just like he was just the god of the jews right he was a god of just the region or god of the mountain and they had all their own like territory gods right the baals or asherahs and things like that it's really weird it's like they had like household gods they had like regional gods and they had like national gods and so i think like this is just emphasizing like no like he's he's the one true god he's for everybody right like he's going to rule over everyone every knee shall bow it's not just like hey like this is my cultural god and so i really think that's just really emphasized especially uh if you think of like rome and the amount of like 
uh, different, you know, the worship of idols or different gods and, and things of that sort. And you could easily, you know, maybe you, uh, you could easily think like you would be excluded from that. And so, yeah, it's just, it's very, there's a lot of, lot of ways you can look at that, but I really think it's like to really kind of nail it on the head and, and, and make it like a highlight. Of like, Hey, like this is, this is for you too, right? This is part of your inheritance. You guys are adopted and a part of this plan. That's great. Um, so everyone's included. Everyone's invited into the pool. So finishing these verses, it's talking about praising and rejoicing him. And it's talking about all people alike. How do we all get together and praise and rejoice? So what are some ways personally that each of you guys uh, can praise and rejoice? And also, if you have a, a reason, like, why do you feel like you personally are praising him enough or rejoicing enough in your own life? Just put you on blast. Let's start with uh, Barnett first with this one. That's such a good question. You know, I want to hit it a few different uh, angles. You know, I was listening to a well-known psychologist saying that human beings, we're more drawn to negative emotions than we are positive. Right. And the old adage goes like if, if you get a new haircut, right, and 10 people say, hey, you look so good. That looks amazing. And then one person said, you know, they, they look like they messed you up. You know, where'd you go? The dog groomer? That one negative, that one negative comment, it weighs a lot more heavily than those 10. Right. And that's just kind of a silly example. But I, it's just it's so fascinating how um, we, we tend to be drawn to negativity. Right. Everything that is on media and everything, even social media, it's just I'm just like absolutely shocked how negative everything is and how Christians are falling into that trap. You know, we're totally falling into that. And I just want to, you know, and I and I, I fall in that trap, too, as well. I think we all do. Um, but I think um, what I go back to, what I fall on, I memorize this verse in Psalm. I call it, you know, Psalm 101, three uh, it says, I, I will set my eyes and no worthless thing for I hate what is evil. I ha will have no part of it. And when I first saw that verse uh, a couple of months ago and memorized it, it really brought a lot of uh, kind of correction to me because it's like, are we really guarding our eyes or really guarding what we're allowing ourselves to, to uh, what's influence us? Because I think what happens is when we're influenced by so much negativity we start getting drawn to that rather than being in praise to God, right? Because I think what praise is, is really we're just uh, a posture of thanks, you know, a posture of just like seeing what good things God is doing. And that, that gets really, really hard when you're focused on the negative, because even though everything seems completely um, chaotic, like right now, God is working. You know, he is definitely working. He always is, you know, this hasn't caught him by surprise. This wasn't something that, um, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, like I can't handle this. Like, but that's the, the thing is like, as, as believers, we have to see like, what is God doing in the midst of this? So. Hey, before Ron goes, I just want to show you, this is my favorite meme I've gotten. Have you seen this one? Read it. What does it say? It says when you're, uh, Get a haircut, but the groomer's available. Uh, oh. So good, dude. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. How do I follow that? What do I, what do I say to that? Yeah. So, <laughs> praise and rejoice is, it's just, it's so important. Um, I'll never forget 
the first time I went to, uh, uh, other than a, uh, first time I went to a non-denominational church, we'll just put it that way, uh, a non-denominational church, and they actually stood up and raised their hands. I thought it was time for me to leave. I'm like, what in the world could be going? What is this? Well, you know, that is, that's like praise and rejoice uh, on a level that not everybody gets to, not everybody can do. Um, but one of the things I challenge people to do is like, if you could just now we're at home and when the music comes on on Sunday morning, just lift your hands a little bit, try it. And you'll find out that it doesn't hurt and and it will become more comfortable for you. So that's one of the things that I really love. Rejoicing for me and praising is singing. Uh, I, I really enjoy that that portion of it, but it doesn't always have to happen on Sunday, right? A lot of times we consider praise and rejoice as something we do before the sermon comes on Sunday morning, right? It's a seven day a week thing. And I fall far short of making sure, especially it seems like when things are going really well, Jeff was hitting on some of the negative things where people see that, but um, it, it happens on the flip side just as much. Hey, things are going really well. You 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 start to lose a little bit of focus on on why things are going really well, and the next thing you know, you know you're you're back to praising and worshiping again. So praise and worship is a is a seven twenty four seven. If you can do it, um, if not, I, I always like what uh, Jeff Rodriguez says: start the day off on your knees, right? If you can just take two minutes in the morning, it, it doesn't have. There's no time limit. Let me let me rephrase. There's no time limit. But if you just can start off on the knees in the morning, giving thanks, that is your praise and rejoice that will help you get through the day. So good. Um, and I think, Barnett, you were saying this, it's a thankful feeling. That's what praising is. And that, that's one of my tricks I've tried to do more often is that whenever anything is going good in my life, it's like a moment something good happens, I just stop and thank God. So I want to hear about you guys in the comment section. I think this is a really good exercise. What is something you can rejoice or praise about right now? Please put that in the comment section. And what you're going to see is people have different ideas and different aspects of what praise and rejoicing is. Some people are just going to be excited they got to wake up another day. Uh, some people are going to be praising him that they feel better today than they have the past week. Some people are going to praise that they've gotten a chance to get closer to their spouse during this whole pandemic. And some people are saying, I'm looking for a praise. I'm looking for something to rejoice for. So then we get to look lift them up in prayer and rejoice when we get to see God reveal himself in the situation. So comment away. I want to see all these comments about how we are rejoicing and praising together. But we're going to go and finish off our verse this evening with uh, chapter 15, verse 13. And our guest of honor, Ron, if you could please go over that. You see what they did for me right here with, uh, here we go. Uh, they gave me the shortest one to read, and I don't know what uh, what, what that was all about, but here we go. Verse 13, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what a powerful verse. And I think it all leads up to this point because what we've been talking about are the Jews and the Gentiles. And as Paul is speaking here, he, he's speaking to the Gentiles. It's, it's flowed all the way through. We've seen through the verses, um, prior to this that he was telling them that there's hope and joy that are coming, coming to him. But in this particular verse, Paul is very specific, um, when he gives the prayer. 
And the prayer is to you, right? To you specifically, the Gentiles. He doesn't say to everyone in the world. He, he wants to make it personal at this point, right? We talk about that a lot is if you can make something personal, people will have, uh, will be more apt to listen. People will be more responsive to that. And in this case, Paul does that as he says, you know, I want you, uh, let me uh, look at it again here. Uh, you will be completely filled with joy and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So twice he mentions that. We can take that and fold it into our lives, right? Because when when we hear you in the Bible, that's he's, Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to us through the people that wrote the Bible, the people that have put it together for us. And in this particular verse, although it's not a very long verse, I think it, it has tremendous uh, impact in, in the Gentiles that were listening to him because, like I said, they've been, they've been through a lot of different things. They didn't think that uh, they, they were overlooked very much uh, in the whole process of the Jews and the Gentiles. And now here's somebody speaking directly to them to tell them that the Lord and Savior can fill them with joy and power. Uh, and you have to you have to imagine that if we can be filled with joy and peace, what your day would be like every day. Um, I think the two go very much together hand in hand. I think uh, you can't have joy without peace and you can't have peace without joy. So they're, they're very much tied very, very tightly together. And it's it's uh, what we'd like to talk about is making uh, taking those baby steps. Right. Um Today might not have all the joy and all the peace, but you know what? Today is the first step in a journey. And it's a journey that we all want to travel together till we get to the place where we understand that Jesus fulfills all of our needs and provides us all the joy and peace. That's why I think it's a very important verse. That's so good. Um, it started off this verse with a, a powerhouse comment. And Ron was just talking about this source of hope. And that's, who are referring to God as. So what what does that mean in the context of this passage is where do we get this idea of he's the source of hope? Can you put that together after all the verses we've just read? What's the source of hope that we're looking for? Man, like I I don't want to go on a tangent, but I was reading uh, this book by Ted Roberts and he was talking about midlife crisis and why midlife crisis happened. And he talked about uh, his background. Him, he personally, he flew in Vietnam. He flew fighter uh, fighter jets in Vietnam, and you know he lost some friends, and he was in that conflict. And he was very, very proud man, and and he was a yeah, just that he got to serve as a Marine Corps fighter pilot. But then, like decades later, he became a pastor, and then he he watched a, I think it was a Ken Burns documentary on Vietnam. And uh, some of the people that were promoting the war at the time in this documentary, they revealed that it was a lot of this uh, hogwash. And he was so upset. He was like, oh, my, you know, my friends died in this war. Like, I fought in this war. I could have died in this war. And it was all just political games. And he, he, he like, he was so mad. He was just screaming, yelling, running, ran like a mile out of his house and just so upset that he was just deceived that, you know, he thought, you know, that he was going to going to this great cause when really it wasn't what it was. It would really wasn't what they were saying it was about. But then as he was just praying, the Lord kind of spoke to him and said, you know, when you, when you fight for a cause, you're always going to be let down. You're always going to be let down. But if you follow me, I'll never let you down. Mm -hmm. And 
how I'm tying that into this is that I think we look for a lot of hope uh, in different things in life. I don't know if it's a cause. I don't know if it's maybe a business or trying to follow your dream. But Ted Roberts is saying that eventually, you know, you get you get let down. You get disillusioned, right? Maybe that dream doesn't turn out to be what it was. You know, Jeff Jeff was making a lot of money as a salesman and had the house. He had everything and it wasn't what he thought it was, you know, or. And so what I'm saying is like we, we look for hope in, in things of the world. But in reality, it's like our hope has to be found only is, is solely in God. And he's the source of that. And I'll let kind of uh, Jeff kind of finish that, like how God is the source of that. Yeah, I was thinking uh, I'm going to get back into the Chico days for a moment. And Chico, one of the big things to do is to ride on the Sacramento River. Now, my dad lives actually in Mount Shasta. And there's a place that you can hike. And just think, you look it up. The Sacramento River is huge. But I've hiked to the headwaters or the source of the beginning of the river. It's from the snowfall from uh, from the, uh, Mount Shasta that starts the Sacramento River. And I used to always go, man, I've been to the headwaters of the Sacramento River in Chico. And it was my claim to fame, so to speak. But the point is, it was the source of where everything from that river came from. It says, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that God, who is the source of hope, becomes part of your daily life. And if we're not plugging into that source, what hope are you going to have? Obviously, if you're not digging into his word and praying and in a men's group or a women's group or a high school student working in a high school group, you're not going to be plugged in. Just like your cell phone, if it doesn't get plugged in for a day or two, it's not going to have the ability to do what it needs to do. It's the same with us. Paul says, I pray that God is your source of hope. In the midst of injustice, God is hope. In the midst of a political crisis, God is hope. In the midst of a financial meltdown, God is hope. In the midst of a pandemic, God is hope. He is the source. And if you aren't plugged into him correctly right now, you've chimed in and just kind of looking around going, oh, what's this panel about? The panel about is about God is the source of hope and you've got to tap into him to get that overflowing joy that it says a little bit later maybe. So. Good, good analogy of uh, our source where we need to get to. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, but we just are learning about this, this hope, this source. So Paul's talking and he's asking God to fill these people up with joy and peace. So he's asking him to fill them into that. So, um, how is this belief and trust? How does how does that get connected to this joy and peace that's going along in this this verbiage? I'm just going to continue on where I was saying is if God is my source and I'm plugged in, over time that mindset takes over where it becomes a place of joy and peace. We were traveling this weekend, and I say this kind of crazy prayer every time I get in the car with my family, Lord. Please protect us. No tickets, no accidents, no car problems. Just kind of go over this. My family's heard it for years. We are plugged into the source of God. And so as we travel, we just make this prayer because we know that no matter what happens, he is going to be our joy and our peace because we are fully sold out in he is Lord and Savior. His promises are true, what we've talked about before. He is a truthful God. And in him, my life will be... Uh, uh, completely taken taken care of. Many times the Apostle Paul says, when I'm truly right with God, I'm complete and whole 
of my life. And I think that's the point that he's trying to get at. I pray that the source of God will fill you completely and I will have joy and peace. And that doesn't mean like Ron said earlier, it's going to be exactly what I want. It just means I'm going to have faith and I'm going to get through it during that season or during that time, good or bad. And of course, you know, Paul in this particular passage understands the significance of that. And that's why he asks Jesus to fill them with the joy and peace. He understands how that, that is going to blossom from within them, and then it's going to spread to the people around them. I think Jeff uh, Jeff talked about that, about how, you know, uh, how wildfires spread. Well, um, Paul understands that if if we can put joy and peace into motion within people and then let them know that that joy and peace is a direct result of following Jesus Christ, then then I don't see how you could say no. There's going to be a lot of people that will want to say no, but it's really hard to argue if you see that kind of action in somebody's life where they're filled with joy and peace and they let you know that that joy and peace, the source of that is Jesus Christ. And Paul understands that. And that's why he's so adamant in his prayer to Jesus about filling them with joy and peace. Boom. Really good. I'm going to, Close out the questions, picking on on Ron for this one. So you get the million dollar question because uh, I get to hear from the other gentlemen quite often. So I know their their hearts and everything. So are you personally filled up with this joy and peace that you were just talking about? Um, just if you can be brutally honest, are are you filled up right now with joy and peace? Well, yeah, of course I am. One hundred. That's the Sunday morning answer, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is, right? Yeah, Jeff is laughing because he understands what that means, right? We're in seasons, and I'm in a season as well as everybody else, right? I truly believe that that joy and peace comes from Jesus Christ. But I also believe that my failings in understanding and completely adhering to that prevent me from being filled with joy and peace when I should be. Um, I have many days where I have that joy and peace, but I also have many days where I'm like, what could, what is going on and why is it going on? There's, there's no reason for this. Well, it's because uh, my being as a man prevents me and my inabilities prevent me from experiencing that joy and peace. And I think it's like a bucket, right? If you don't keep filling that bucket up, if it's got a hole in it, and this is an analogy that's used in many different areas, right? But if you don't fill that bucket up, and that bucket can be filled in so many different ways, and we have so many different resources at our church to do that to refill that bucket Um, surrounding yourself with people who have the same ideas and the same mindset as you, right. To help you refill that bucket of joy and peace, right? Because when one is down, another can lift you up. When another is up, they will lift up the person who is down. I mean, there's no magic to that. And that is why we come together as a family because we're not all at the same place. Um, And if we were all at the same place, we wouldn't need to be together as a family. Would we? We would all have all the answers, but we're not there. So, yes, I definitely have uh, have my moments where I'm not filled with joy and peace. And there's probably some people close to me that would be able to uh, tell you a story or two that uh, would let you know that. Right. And um, and, you know, you're not, I'm never happy um, when I let myself go to a place where I shouldn't and not be filled with joy and peace. So I do return there with the uh by having fellowship with uh, my, the men on the council and by reading my bible and understanding that there are 
there are times in many, many people's lives in the Bible, we have many examples where it happens in the Bible. We're not alone. This is why we're together. And this is why we have these panels to let everybody know that we are walking together in this and we are not at the top level of the ladder. There's only one person there. And that is, that is so good. I want to repeat that one more time because you hit the nail on the head. You are not alone. That's why there's a community. That's why there's people around you to lift you up. That's why this panel exists. That's why there's community groups. Ron, that was amazing. Yes, we are, we are meant to be together. And it's important to know that, that you're allowed to go through seasons. It's not saying everyone doesn't go through these seasons, um, but it's important to notice those seasons and then try to, what you're saying, refill ourselves and community is the best way to do so. And Jesus, of course, being the main catalyst of that. So thank you for sharing. But uh, my takeaway from this is this unity. Over and over, every question asked that was looking to God and understanding God more and, and bringing him into this presence, but also living life together with one another. Um, so it's God's ultimate glory that we would be reconciled to him and to each other. When we all receive God's mercy, when we are united to worship and rejoice and praise him uh, as one family joined in eternal kingdom, it's just a beautiful sight. It's God's glory that his children are unified, reconciled, and living in harmony, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And I call that living life together and praising him for all that he's done and all who he is. So thank you, God, for, for bringing us together and, and also everyone that's in that online community right now, um, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you have struggles, we have them too, and we're here to lift each other up, but ultimately just build upon God. Let him speak into our lives and help point different people in the directions that so desperately need some uh, relationships or need some feedback or need encouragement. But we're going to go ahead and get in our final thought. So you guys are full of amazing wisdom. So who wants to kick it off with their final word? I'll go first. Um, uh, if God is the source, if you're plugged into him, your life is going to be full of stuff more than you could ever imagine. And I just want to point out, Ron, I know him fairly well. I've, I've had some great fellowship with him. This guy is ultra busy. And in the middle of his lunch, I know he tries to carve out a little bit of time to open up his word to make sure that every day is full of him, plugged into him, that he's drawing even in frantic, chaotic, busy season kind of times. And the season's been going on for a couple years that he's trying to plug in. That's the God of hope. He's the source. In him, you will be complete and full of everything that God asked for. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that, you know. Uh, intentionally put things in your life to help you to slow down. You know, because it says, be still and know that I am God. Like, there's just something about knowing God when we have to be still and and to, in a sense, push back the tide of, of being driven or being so busy. I know everybody has, has uh, so many different uh, responsibilities and things. But, yeah, just learn to put things in your life. I know Ron, like mountain bikes. I like to go hiking. Things like that help us to. Well, I guess that's not slowing down. Ron goes pretty fast. <laughs> but it's the scenery, you know, it's a change of scenery. So, What do you think, Ron? And, and, and for me, it's, it's take, that, take that first step, even if it's a small step, right? Um, just make sure you're taking that first step uh, in, in becoming closer to Jesus. And 
you determine what that first step is, right? And then following that, the steps become easier and easier, and uh, you'll learn more and more, and you'll become more filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's 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 how I like to see it. Take that first step. That's great. I think a good reminder to take away from tonight is look back on your whole day. And if you haven't praised or rejoiced or worshiped God at some point, then you need to stop what you're doing right then and there and make that happen. Um, but I, I thank you, gentlemen, for being on this panel. Thank you, Ron, for being an amazing mentor, friend and man of God that's helping shape the kingdom for the better. Um, so thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you online for following along and commenting. Keep the comments going. Let us know how we can, you know, best service you. It's talking about being a servant. So how can we pray for you? How can we praise with you? And let us know what's going on. We have comment cards. We have care cards online through our website and our app. So reach out. Let us know how you're doing. But have an amazing rest of your day. We'll see you next time.